Welcome to the Central Christian Church Message Podcast. We are passionate about leading people to discover and fully own faith in Jesus. It is our desire that the following message inspires you to take your next steps in your own faith. Let's dive in. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome, 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 and I want to... uh, I want to extend a very warm welcome to any of you on any of our other campuses today or any of you on the online community. I want to say welcome to you. Uh, we are so glad to have you with you. Today we're continuing in a series. Uh, it's called In God We Trust, and it's a series that we began actually five weeks ago. We're going to finish it next week, and, and I want to just, uh, just address an issue. Why would we spend six weeks talking about money? It, it seems like like, that just seems excessive. I, I want to suggest to you, I don't think it's, ex- it's excessive and that it's actually significant and it's important. Let me give you a couple of reasons um, why we would talk so much about money. One, because Jesus and the Bible talk so much about money. You might not know this. Jesus told 38 parables, 38 little stories, and 16 of them had to do with how you handle your money. If you read the Gospels, one out of every 10 verses Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one out of every 288 in total deal with money. The Bible talks about money a lot. In fact, this is mind-blowing when you get your brain around it. The Bible talks more about money than it talks about uh, faith. The Bible talks more about money than it talks about prayer. It's really hard to understand this. It's just, you just go, in fact, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? This is mind-blowing. Twice as much as faith and, and prayer. Why why in the world would the Bible talk about it so much? Well, I'm going to suggest that there's some reasons for that. Uh, I I do want to say this, though. Um, You cannot, as a pastor, you cannot be consistent with the teaching of Jesus or the teaching of the Bible if you avoid the subject. And the truth is, is most pastors avoid the subject. The real exposed truth is most pastors avoid the subject because they're so poor at managing their own personal finances, they feel hypocritical to talk about it. And so it's just like, hey, let's just go mum on this subject. But you can't be consistent with Jesus. So one of the reasons Jesus, the Bible, talk about it so much, we should talk about it. Second, is money is something that all of us can relate to. From the time you were little, you understood the power of money. Money is something that uh, gets our attention. Money is something that you think about. You can say you don't, but you can't live without thinking about it. So, so you, you, know, you, you start to realize that um, we all have a relationship with money. And, and the, the trouble is, is where does money play into your priorities? Be, because Jesus said it this way in, in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So wherever you you place your treasure, your heart is going to go there. And then the Bible says, as your heart goes, so you go. So if you fall in love with money, your heart is going to go, and and then you're going to go that way. So uh, we we can relate to it, so we should talk about it, which leads me to the third reason why we would talk so much about it. And it's an extension of the second. And it's simply this, because our relationship to money has huge spiritual implications if you get God right, you can still get money wrong. But if you get money wrong, there's no chance you're going to get God right. Let's let that soak in for just a moment. 
You can get God right and get money wrong, but you cannot get money wrong and get God right. Um, all of us have to choose. There's just no exception. Is, is it going to be God first in your life or is it going to be money first in your life? And nobody can decide this for you. This is a call you got to make. I, I, I want to remind you of something else Jesus said. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus just said stuff like that. Jesus made people uncomfortable. He forced choices. And, and so again, one of the two have to be the most important or something else, but they can't. If money is the most important, God won't be. If God is, money won't be. And a fourth reason why I think we should talk about it for six weeks is simply this one, because our knowledge and commitments to do right leaks out of us. It just does. Uh, knowledge is knowing the right thing to do. Wisdom is doing what you know to do. Let me say it again. Knowledge is knowing the right thing to do. Wisdom is doing what you know to do. Can I just confess to you? I don't always do what I know. Can I get an amen from anyone? Okay, see, that's not good. I don't always do that. Why? Well, for a couple of reasons. This stuff leaks out of me. It just leaks out of me. I can get the knowledge and, and again, I'm going to act in with, and then the knowledge just leaks out of me, and I, I forget. I just forget. I, I, you know, I, I understand about what you should and shouldn't eat, but I forget. You know something else? I get distracted. And, and, and uh, you know, some meal comes along that gets my attention, and all of a sudden, it's like, I know better. Well, the same thing happens with, with how I handle my money. I, I can forget. Or something else can come along, and all of a sudden, I get distracted and uh, there goes the commitment uh, kind of out the window here's what happens when you forget or get distracted ready happens to every one of us old habits reassert themselves yes it comes back man i i don't even have to think about this that's a habit you, you see w knowledge is knowing wisdom is doing the knowledge and the the truth is is we don't always do that old habits die hard now let me say this and let's just talk about it um <clears throat> We, we understand that money uh, gets really personal. Now, most people would talk about anything rather than talk about money because most of us understand a very, very simple concept. If, if you have access to my spending, you can understand my heart. And, and the same is true for you. If I know where your money went, I'll know where your heart went. Because we, we understand that, that money follows the heart. And, and so what happens is we, we get really threatened and really defensive, like, no, I don't want to talk about that. And, and, and like last week, which we'll talk about a little bit more today, when we talk about debt, we get real uncomfortable we, uh, yeah, just be, because we realize that there is a trail uh, behind us when it comes to this stuff and that you can, re you know, it reveals a whole lot. I, I want to say this, though, uh, and you're going to understand my heart in, in all of this in, in just a few moments because... I want to explain why I think this is real important to talk about personally, but, but I want to say it's, it's, this is really not a hard subject. There's, there's only three things you can do with money. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. There's only three things. You can spend it, which we're good at. You can save it, and by that I mean save, invest, or you can give it. That's the only three things you can do with money. Outside of that, there's nothing else. There's three things. How hard can this be? 
I can spend it, I can save it, and I can give it. Uh, and there's only three possible ways you can manage your money. There's only three. And, and they're very simple. Let me, let me explain them to you. Number one, you can spend more than you make. That, that's a way you manage money. I spend more than I make. Uh, by the way, that's what most Americans do, just so you know. Spend more than you make. That, that, that's what we talked about last week. That's how we end up going into debt. And I want to just cause you to think about debt for just a moment. Be, because debt is simply using money I don't have for something I want now. And, and it's very, very common. Now, when I say debt, I want to be very, very clear. I'm talking about consumer debt. I'm not talking about your mortgage. I'm talking about consumer debt. Consumer debt... It's the new car, it's the new boat, it's the vacation, it's the clothes, it's the, the meals that you want to have out. It's whatever the immediate thing. You see, we get ourselves in trouble because we are prone to desire instant gratification, which is I want it now, and I want it fulfilled now. And when this comes along, we start making really bad choices. Well, all that debt means, now listen carefully, all that debt means is that I'm borrowing against my future. That's all it means. In in other words, I'm going to use money I don't have, which I'm mortgaging my future. So so I'm going to have something now that I'm going to use my future to pay for, which means in the future, I won't have as much as I could have had because I had to have it now. And instant gratification is a huge issue uh, and, and we can so easily fall into this. We live in a culture that makes a lot of money out of getting you in debt and me in debt. There's an industry that's more than willing to sell you two products. You can buy a car and you can buy a financial product, which is required to buy the car if you don't have the money. As called, the, it's the loan. Now, a lot of people are going to make money on people wanting what they can't afford right now. And, and so we're, we can get caught up. And what's really hard is at some point you have to decide, do you want to be in that, on that little squirrel, you know, uh, the little hamster wheel going around and around and around, squirreling away your time? Or do you want to jump off of that and go, I don't, that goes nowhere. Well, you, again, you're going to have to choose, but I got to have it now. It's normal. Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Haste is, I got to have it now. I got to have it now. And um, we do so much buying on impulse. Uh, uh, you know, buy now, pay later. I, I have a friend, Barry Cameron, who uh, just retired from the ministry, but he had an acronym that I've never been able to forget. And I've shared it before, but I would remind you because it leaks. Debt. D-E-B-T. Don't even buy that. I love that. Don't even buy that. Because you can't afford it. Don't even buy that. And consumer purchase is what I'm talking about. All right? Um, so, There's only three ways you can manage your money. You can spend more than you make, or second one, you can spend all that you make. Spend all that you make. And that simply means I'm going to live paycheck to paycheck. According to Forbes magazine, and you'll see different numbers here, 78% of us go paycheck to paycheck, regardless of our level of income. Now, don't miss this. Nearly eight out of every 10 of us are just living by, by paycheck to paycheck. Now, it doesn't matter if you make $40,000 or if you make $440,000. That's what they discovered. It's still paycheck to paycheck, which means as long as I'm going to get paid on that Friday, I'm, a, I'm good. Paycheck to paycheck is like treading water, okay? I'm not going anywhere, but I'm not drowning. 
The problem is it, you're not drowning until there's a crisis, and then you start to realize, oh, no, and you can't, uh, you can't keep your head up. Well, not falling behind, paycheck to paycheck, but I'm not getting ahead. And then the third option is obvious by now, I think. You can spend more than you make, you can spend all that you make, or you can spend less than you make. And um, this is not normal in our culture. It, it, to do that, you have to determine a couple of things are just not going to be important to you. It's not going to be important to you that you look good to your peers. You, got, you just got to determine that. And, and it means, I'm, I, second thing, I'm not going to worry about keeping up with my peers. And other, I'm not going to worry about the appearance because so much of this stuff is, is based on how, how do I look compared to someone that I'm measuring myself against. When you decide, I don't care, then all of a sudden you can start making wiser decisions. Um, it's voluntarily taking it down a notch. Just choosing, I don't need to live there. I don't need to live there, uh, that house. It's a decision, I'm, I'm going to save money. And, and what I want to spend in the next few minutes, I want to just compel you to think deeply about whether or not you're actually saving money or just spending it. But you see, when, when you don't spend all you make and you actually save money, what you're going to end up with is a surplus. You're going to have extra money. Now, when you have extra money, some really, really cool things start to happen. When you buy that car, now follow this. When you buy that car, it's actually cheaper. Why is it cheaper? Because your money was making money while you were saving it up. While you were saving it up, it was making money. And when you buy the car, you don't have this financial product to add to the price of the car. So the price of the car, because your money made money, is actually going to be less than somebody else would pay. You just got to understand what you're actually doing. You can, you can buy stuff when you, when, you, when you save that you don't have to stress over. It's no big deal. You can actually then choose to give money without regret or with reserve. You can just go, I, just, I, I have a surplus. I have all that I, I could imagine having. Now, I, I want to say this. This all seems so obvious to me at this stage of my life. But I got to explain it to you. It was not obvious to me always at all. Uh, I, I don't know where you learned about money, how to manage money. Many of us would say, well, it was my parents. The truth is, is I didn't get that from my parent. I only had a mom, but I didn't get that. Did you learn how to manage money in school? Did you just pick up books and just start? I mean, most of us learn, honestly. Uh, well, in fact, nowadays, if you follow TikTok, there's all kinds of financial wisdom on TikTok. But TikTok soon, the school of TikTok soon becomes the school of hard knock. When you start to realize a lot of stuff gets pawned off as wisdom is just not wise. But there's all kinds of people giving you all kinds of advice about what you ought to do with your money. But where did you learn how to handle money? Now, I want to say this. Um, when you learn from any and everybody, you can learn some pretty shady stuff. And that's what I learned. And that's what I was living by. Uh, I, I want to explain something that I, I didn't. I, and I say this innocently because you might relate to me here. I, I, I've never mismanaged money. I've never been in trouble with money. But I, I, I got to tell you, I... I did not know when I was younger that paycheck to paycheck living was not normal. I didn't know I should consider saving money. I didn't. Nobody taught me that. I, I never heard of an emergency fund when I was younger. Never. Never heard. An emergency fund to me when I was younger was a credit card. Amen? This is, so I'm, if I get in trouble, I'm going to use this card to get me out of trouble. And then I had to dig myself out of the trouble the card got me into. Great system, right? I, I just didn't know any better. And, and nobody had, had just taught me. Uh, 
Paycheck to paycheck works fine until it doesn't work, until a crisis comes. I, 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 very, clear, I very clearly, very vividly remember my crisis. Here, here it was. Uh, it was in a house. We, I used to live by the Mesa campus, and it was a house that um, the air conditioning unit went out on it. And I got the price of a new one, and I have no reserves. I have no emergency money. I didn't know to have any. Which again seems so silly to me. But here's what I can tell you. Nobody taught me. The church didn't teach me. I didn't learn it from my parents. I didn't learn it from school. I didn't learn it from books. I didn't learn it. And nobody taught me this. And so what I vividly, my moment of coming to Jesus on this was when my air conditioning unit went out and they told me how much it was going to cost to replace it. And in Arizona, you don't have a whole lot of options, yes? And I said, how much? And, uh, I realized what it's going to take to get out of debt on that sucker. And here's what I remember vividly, laying in bed. Maybe you'll relate to this. Literally laying in bed at night having cold sweats, which is a way to keep cool, (laughs) frankly, with this fear and anxiety and stress and going, this cannot be what God wants for his children. I love Jesus. This cannot be what he has in mind. And sadly for me, I was in my mid-30s before I began to realize the Bible says a lot about this, and I've just not been listening. Now, again, I think culture talks about this, but it talks about it from a different worldview. It talks about it from the love of money. How do you read this stuff if you have a love of God? You want the love of God first. It's a different reading. And and, uh, again, when I look back, if I were critical, I would be critical of the church. Why did the church never teach this? Why did nobody in the church ever explain it to me? And uh, I, I, don't, I don't want to be guilty of that. And so every year, I go, we're going to cycle back and we're going to remind people because it leaks. And so here we go. Now, I want to make this statement. And I want you to just let this soak in, okay? No one who is financially bound can be spiritually free. Yeah, let that, let's think about that for just a moment. If you're financially bound, um, you're going you're gonna to find yourself preoccupied with things that you shouldn't be preoccupied with. At the cold sweats, how am I going to get out of this mess I'm in? This is not what God's word has for you. It's just simply not. I believe that God's word clearly teaches there, there is a way to be blessed. And I'm going to say this. Most people aren't going to do this. I'm just going to say that. Most people are not going to. They're going to hear it and they're going, nope, not going to do it. Here's where I will testify. 30 years ago, Lisa and I decided we're not doing the world's way of money anymore. It's too stressful. And and we decided we're going to apply what God's word says, and we're going to do it that way 30 years ago now. And I got to tell you, uh, half of my life without the word and half of my life with the word, Lisa and I have zero regrets and would never ever, ever go back to the way the world teaches to manage money. We'd never do it. We are fully convinced. Now, I want to just give you a simple formula. This is not, you're not going to find this in the Bible. You're just going to find the wisdom of this in the Bible. A simple formula, okay? It's just numbers you got to get in your head. These are simple numbers. 10, 10, 80. Simple formula. A 10, 10, 80. <clears throat> what, what, what do those numbers mean? The 
The first ten, that's the first tenth, what's called a tithe, that goes to God, always. God always gets the first and God always gets the best. Now, now I want you to repeat after me. Now, you might not believe this, but I want, I want you to hear yourself say it. The first and the best always belongs to God. Just would you say that out loud just to hear yourself saying it. The first, and I can't hear you, the first and the best always belong to God. That means I give. First and foremost, I give. Now, when I say I give, I don't just give to the United Way. I don't just give to the Girl Scouts. I give to God. I give to God and, and for his purposes. The second tenth, while it's not a biblical principle like a tithe, the concept is so simply put in here that the, the second tenth, you, you give to yourself. And, and that's called saving, all right? Uh, and by the way, you're giving to your future self. You're doing it today, but you're setting your future up. You're giving to your future. You save it. You invest in your well-being. The first tenth, first and foremost, always belongs to God. Second tenth, I need to make sure that I'm, I'm taking care of my future. The third number is 80, and 80 represents the standard of living you have to acclimate yourself to. Uh, 80%, you, you, can, you can spend whatever you want. You can, not just anything, but you can, it's yours you live on 80%. And uh, when, when 80% becomes your new 100%, your worries, your financial worries are over. When 80% becomes your new 100%, your financial worries are over. They're going to be behind you. Now, it's hard to do, and most people, again, won't do it. But from that point, I'm telling you, God will bless you. Now, you don't have, again, you're going to have to process whether or not you're going to believe this or, or uh, apply this. But I just want to remind you of a couple of things, okay? The only three things you can do with money, you can spend it, you can save it, and you can give it, all right? Three things. M most people use their money exactly in that order. Spend it. Uh, I don't have anything left. I've spent more. I went in debt. I don't have anything beyond what I got paid. I've sacrificed my future, and so I have nothing to save. If they do save, then they save whatever is left after their spending. And giving is a joke. Like, well, you got to be kidding. I don't have anything to give. I don't have anything left. And, and we go in exactly. Now, I need you to understand, 10, 10, 80 reverses the order. It is a flip upside down. It's God's values. God first. The first tenth goes to God. The second tenth is my future. And the 80% is what I'm going to live on. And, and I, I just need you to understand, it, it's, it's, it's incredible when you shift this around. Now, I want to be really clear about something. When I say give a tenth, that doesn't mean I can't give more than a tenth. And when I say save a tenth, it doesn't mean you can't save more than a tenth. It's just got to come out of the 80%. And, and then you go, well, I'm just going to kind of keep trying to figure out how to reduce this so I have more to give and more to save, if you're so inclined. But I'm telling you, the world turns around you got to do it, but you got to do it intentionally. Now, let me just spend a few moments. I just want to show you what the Bible says about saving, just so we're clear. Because you might think the Bible doesn't even address this. Folks, the Bible addresses this constantly. It's just constantly. Let me, let me show you a couple things. Proverbs 6, 6 says, go to the ant, you sluggard. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> hey, you lazy person. Look at an ant. That's literally what Solomon is saying here. Man, this is strong. Go to the ant, you sluggard. 
Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up? He was a very rich man, by the way, if you don't know this. When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. I just find this fascinating. This very wealthy man says, just, just follow the example of an ant. How big of a brain does an ant have? It's not a compliment to us, folks. It's just not. But he's saying, you know what the ant has? It has a sense of the future. It's going to gather while it can because it's not going to be able to gather later. And it needs provision. Proverbs 21, 20. And, and again, I, I just think you need to know this. In the house of the wise, not the foolish, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food. What's that mean? Storage, stored up, extra, surplus, uh, choice food and oil. But a foolish man devours all he has. I was a foolish man, taking everything I could get and devouring it. You, You see, what happens is to save, you have to go opposite the world. You have to choose delayed gratification over instant gratification. You have to choose that uh, I, I, I want this right now, but it's not in my best interest because I'd sacrifice my future, delayed gratification. Now, you can take this too far. Somebody who won't spend any of their money because they're only just trying to save up there and save up there. We, we call that person uh, a hoarder or a miser. Miser is the root word of miserable so don't, don't keep everything, but, but delayed gratification is the key to having a surplus. And uh, I, I'll just make this statement. It's obvious. You can't save money by spending it. There's the only three things you can do. You, you can't save money by spending it. So, and folks, Americans, we are not good at saving money. I want to read to you some numbers according to a Go Banking Rate survey. 40%, 4 out of 10 of us, 4 out of 10 of us have less than $300 in savings. Now, again, if you have way more than this, this might shock you, but this is when surveyed what, you know, this is family feud. We asked people and this is what they said. 40% have less than $300 in savings. 50% of Americans have less than $600. 5 out of 10 of us? of us have less than $1,000 in savings. And by the way, just 30%, just 3 out of 10 actually have a financial plan that they follow. I just gave you a plan, 10, 10, 80. I followed that for 30 years. Been incredibly blessed by doing it. But most people don't even have a plan. I'm going to spend whatever I see, whatever I want. And if there's anything less, I'll, I'll try to save some. Why don't we save? Well, I'm going to give you two reasons, and then we're going to wrap it up. Why, why don't we save? Well, two reasons. There's many more than two. I'm just, I only have time for two. We don't understand the benefit of two things. All right? This is reason one. We don't understand the benefit of time and compound interest. We don't get it. In our, in our thinking, we just don't weigh this out. So Proverbs 13, 11 says, whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. We want to hit the big. We want to win the lottery. We want to just get the grand prize. The Bible says, no, that's not the way to get wealthy. The way to get wealthy 
a little, gather little by little and uh, uh, watch it grow. Now, I want to say this. And, and uh, again, I know there's diverse ages here. When you're young, you go, I don't have any money. You know the greatest asset of a young person is not money. It's time. They have time. When you're older, you don't have time, but you have money, typically. So when you're young, I I got all the rest of my life, but I don't have any money. But I want to just cause you to think about something. Um, A dollar is never more valuable to you than when you're young. And uh, time just does miracles, man, with invested money, time, with this compound interest. It, 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 time is the greatest investment tool out there. When, when you're young and you don't have much money, but you, what you have, you commit to time, uh, it's going to become huge in the future. And I'll just give you a little glimpse of that. And it's this thing called compounding interest. So here's what they figured out. Now, you've probably have heard this, and it's an important thing. So I'm talking specifically if you're younger. If you save $1,000 a year, from the time you're, you're 20 to the age of 30, $1,000, okay, a year. $1,000 a year from 20 to 30, and, and your, your, your friend waits until they're 30. So you're going to invest $1,000 from 20, age 20 to age 30, and then you're going to stop. You're not going to put any more money in there. But your friend's going to start at age 30, and he's going to retire at age 65, He's got every year for those 35 years, he's going to put $1,000 in. You, from $1,000 from 20 to 30, will have more than he'll have when you retire. Compound interest. And, and folks, this has been run over and over and over again. It, it is astounding. So you've heard the expression, uh, well, a penny saved is a penny earned. I want to explain something. A penny saved when you're 20 is a dollar earned when you retire. A penny saved when you're 20 is a dollar earned when you retire. Um, in fact, that's the big idea right here. That's a big idea. A penny saved is a dollar earned. Every penny you invest when you're 20 will become a dollar. Now, here's technically how it works. Every dollar you invest when you are 20 becomes $88 when you retire. That's, if that's 67, all right? It's, it's incredible. Now, I want to explain a concept to you that uh, has rocked my world. And, and I'm, going to tr- I'm going to try my best to explain this where it just makes sense. So I had a friend who was telling me about a, a family member of his who owned a company, but he had to do all the work. And so they were trying to get him to go on vacation. He couldn't go on vacation because if he goes on vacation, none of the work would get done. And if none of the work gets done, he can't get paid. So my friend was coaching him going, you know what you ought to do is you ought to figure out a way to get some employees to share the workload with you, and, and then um, they could work while, while you're actually on vacation. And the guy said, I don't understand. He goes, well, you've got to figure, you've got to think differently, because all you're doing is exchanging your time for immediate money. What if you started thinking strategically and started getting employees, and then you, you pay them to do the work, and you could actually take some time off? And it revolutionized this guy's thinking, and he became a successful businessman. But here's the principle. Listen carefully. Every dollar you don't spend today and you invest becomes an employee that you hired. You you hired an employee. And that employee is going to go to work for you, 
And, and that employee is going to work 24 7, 365. And what's remarkable is that employee will never get sick. The economy will get sick, but the employee will never get sick. That employee is going to stay healthy. And, and, and every, don't miss this, everything that employee earns gets put into your bank account. This is mind-blowing when you get it. Every dollar you don't spend, but you actually invest, becomes another employee whose wages accrue to your credit. So how many employees would you desire to have working for you? And the answer is as many as you could afford. And you start to understand this is what the Bible teaches. This is the concept. And uh, the only way you can hire these employees is to spend less. I could say that five times now. The only way. Now, second reason, and this is hard, that we don't save money is we're driven by our present desires and impulses. We, we, our, we get our priorities all wrong. And if I can be so bold, I want to su- suggest where we get this wrong is now over then, today over tomorrow, the present over the future. And I've got so much evidence of this. We want it when we want it. We want it now, which means instant gratification over delayed gratification is the norm. And I'll tell you where you see this one, folks. And this is sobering. It is sobering. You see it in, reti- uh, in retirement statistics. And if you can handle this, let me just say some, let's just say some, you know, common sense stuff. It, 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 most likely, in all of our lives, retirement is coming. You're not getting younger, you know that. It's coming. Now, whether you, you know, choose to retire, that's a different thing. But how are you going to retire and see, most people would say, because I've been in these conversations, oh, come on, retirement's a long ways off, man. I'll worry about that when I get there. I might not even live. Why would I worry about that now? Uh, or they'll say something like this, you know, Social Security is going to cover it. Social Security. Or this one, which is crazy. Now, if I can, again, if I, I don't want to be offensive, but I, I want to be real here. I'm just going to work until I die. Well, you're going to die sooner than you think if you plan that. Because here's the deal. Who, and I don't mean this as a put down. I just mean, realistically, as we get older, we slow down. We have health issues. We don't have the energy. And we just think we're just going to, there's just going to be somebody who's just more and more willing to just keep us employed until we die. As our health is declining and old age. Which means simply this. Folks, we should think about. What's it going to be like in the future? Which is what the Bible has been trying to teach us. Think about the future. Now, I want to, I want to do something sobering, okay? How, let's just do this. It's going to be awkward. Online campus participate in this. How, how many of us are, you might not want to do this. Okay, I'm, I'm over the, how many of us are 50 or older? If you, okay, look around. 50 or older. You, are you ready for this? All right. This to me is a, a, a little bit mind blowing. 50 or older, right now you are, half of us are going to live until we're 80 or more. 80. Now, of the same people who raise their hand, 25% of us are going to live past 90. How are you going to afford that? Who's going to pay for all that? Social Security? Well, the average Social Security payment right now is $1,500 and change. 
That's $18,000 a year on average. The median retirement accounts for those in their 40s, this is important, you've got to hear me. The median retirement account of those in their 40s, not their 50s, in their 40s, is $63,000. The average median, uh, the, the median, not average, the median uh, uh, retirement account of all people, $65,000. Stay with this. The median retirement, and median means middle, more, just equal on this side of the road, equal on that side of the road. Just as, it, it's the middle, all right? The median retirement of those in their 60s is $120,000. Now listen to me. Okay, please listen. Most people, when you ask them, believe that when they retire, their standard of living is going to go up. They're going to have all kinds of time, and they're going to have all kinds of desires, and somehow they think it's all going to get paid for. They, so if the median is $120,000, they're saying that when uh, the average couple retires, they're going to have over $200,000 in medical expenses alone. So if the median income is in the 50s to 60s, we have a couple of years saved up, and that's it. And then we're going to just... Now, can I show you a verse that is just challenging if, as if the rest of this hasn't been? Proverbs 22.3. A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge. But the simple keep going and suffer for it. And the Bible is going, be wise like an ant. Be wise in how you handle money be wise. The wise person, and I love this, the wise person doesn't just see what's in front of them, which is this product I want, this new car, this new boat, this new... They don't just see what's in front of them. They see what's ahead of them. So are you looking at what's in front of you or are you looking at what's ahead of you? So let me just say this. If you're young, I know you... I know, I, okay, so... Um, practical takeaways and we'll be done. If you're young, be inspired to change for the better. Oh, by the way, if you're old, be inspired to change for the better. Let me, let me explain. If you're young, I, I get it. Diapers have gone up 20%. Got it. It's brutal. Every penny you save will be a dollar in your future. Every dollar you save will be $88 in your future. If you're not so young, be inspired to change. Um, if you keep going down the same path, you go, I, I don't have any savings. If you keep going down the same path, where do you think that's going to end differently than where, where we are today? Be inspired to change. You go, you know what? I've got to fix this. I've got to change. I've got to make a, gotta make a tweak. And you, you know what? The sooner you change it, the better it will be. It might not be as good as it could have been, but it will be better than it would have been. But you've got to be inspired and go, you know, I'm going to do that. I have, I've, my prayer for this sermon, by the way, has been, please, God, don't let me depress people, bum them out. Help me to say it in such a way where people go, I can do this. I've just got to approach it differently. I don't want to discourage you. Be inspired. The future is coming. Get ready for it.
Start today to get ready for it. Second thing, make your savings automatic. Man, don't go through a week-in and week-out hassle over the debate as to what you're going to save. Make a decision, set it aside, have it withdrawn. That's what I'm saving, and it's not going to change. Third, make your savings systematic. What does that mean? Maximize it. Put your savings in you know, tax-sheltered retirement funds. Put your, if your employer offers... And this is astounding to me how many people, their employer will match them up to a certain percent and they won't put anything away. You don't walk away from your employer's willingness to match you to whatever degree. Take it with systematic savings. Figure out how to do it. Do it consistently, good times and bad times. Uh, Fourth takeaway, have short, mid, and long range. Saving for retirement is not saving for your next car. Have long-term, mid-term, short-term. And then uh, fifth and last, determine to become financially literate. This is one of the things. I am, if you haven't figured this out, I am so passionate about this for people. This so matters to me because I have lived on the other side of this sucker, and it's miserable. And so in our church... Uh, since I became the lead pastor, we started a ministry. We hired one of the best people on the planet to lead this ministry. It's called Enrich. And Dave Briggs is a phenomenal resource to our church, to you, to me, to help. And there's all kinds of things. We have Financial Peace University, which is Dave Ramsey's thing. They, they run this in our church all the time. They have a, a thing called Money Smart, which is another series of classes. They have one-on-one coaching where somebody would sit down with you and just help you. You don't have to go into the future the same way that you've gone into the past. And I encourage you, check it out. There's all kinds of opportunities under that, and you can do that on, online. Now, so I'm going to close with this illustration that we've talked about around here for years. Uh, it is one of the most significantly thought-provoking realities, because you might be here and you go, man, Pastor, you really made me feel bad today. And it was not my intent. Not my intent. But someone needed to make me feel bad earlier than I, than I figured out I should feel bad about what I'm doing. And nobody was there to teach me. Nobody was there to challenge me. And so, forgive me, but this illustration that I've never been able to get out of my head, and I've spoken about this many times, is um, the simple th- question. When is the best time to plant an orange tree? I love oranges. When is the best time to plant an orange tree? You know the answer? Ten years ago. And you go, I didn't plant an orange tree ten years ago. Yeah. You know when the next best time to plant an orange tree is? Right now. Right now. This will not change if you don't change it. It will not change on its own. It will only change if you determine I'm going to live differently I'm going to let the Bible instruct me on how to handle this resource. I want what God has for me. And I realize it's not what the world has. It's a different set of values. It's yours to decide, and I hope that you will. Now, we'll finish this next week. I can't wait for next week, so you, you be sure to be here. Uh, for our online community, other campuses, thanks for joining us. Let me pray, and uh, we'll, we'll be done. So, God, I do pray that you help us to think this through, not to be discouraged, not to be overwhelmed. There's time. There's today. And uh, today we can start making decisions that will modify uh, our future. Now, 
Again, we might not be able to fix everything, but we can learn. We could take Financial Peace University or take any of these other courses. We could seek counseling through Dave and his ministry. We could do any number of things, but God, we got to make a decision. And uh, a, a wise man uh, looks not just in front of him. He looks ahead. He sees danger coming, and he changes course. He takes refuge. He thinks about a better way to live. God, you have done all this thinking for us. All we have to do is just go, okay, I'm going to do it now. And uh, Lord, I know from personal experience, it changes everything. Help us to be wise. Help us to be uh, bold and brave. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our hope is that you are left inspired and challenged to continue to grow in your faith. If you are looking for more from Central, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. See you next time. Until then, go be the church.